What's up, everyone? It's Travis and John here with another intro to a podcast. Today we had Craig Hanamuni. Did I just, yeah, I think that, I just that was pretty that right. good, man. I think, said, I, I think I just said it right. I think you said that right. We had, a, we had a little bit of practice because this is our second intro because we messed up on the first one. But <laughs> practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. So, But for today's episode, like I said, we have Craig, who is a purple belt under Henry Gracie. He is also a Bellevue police officer. So his ideas and aspect and story behind jiu-jitsu is a little bit different. He brings some amazing stories to the table. His attitude, positivity is just infectious. Absolutely. He does a lot of community outreach. And uh, if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's uh, Craig Hanamuni. Uh, H A A or H A M A U N I N I something like that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, we'll, 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 I'm have sure it we'll link show. it. Yeah, we'll have it in the show notes. Um but he's he's a great guy. He's it this episode is so fun. His stories are hilarious. I don't we've we haven't laughed this hard in a long time. He has he we asked him what transitions better to policing whether gi or no gi and the answer is hilarious. All of us was thinking the same thing. So, yeah. it's 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 a good one. John, how'd you like it? I liked it, man. I thought it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a blast from my past, too. Just, I think we must be close to the same age. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I liked hearing it. We got a we got an invite to go uh, roll at the old police station. I've I'm always, super excited about I've that. always wanted to try that. I thought I'd have to be in cuffs, so that's a nice opportunity. <laughs> he said he could to. bring us in cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to show up in the police car, yeah, handcuffed, yeah, yeah. and then we start rolling. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, sound, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so but it's 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 a whole lot of fun guys he does a lot of like we said does a lot of community outreach especially he's a skateboarder so he uses skateboarding and jujitsu to help reach the community around him so it's it's amazing to hear stories and positivity especially with the mindset that a lot of people have about police nowadays it's very very refreshing to to hear his side of the story and also crazy story is he is on duty in uniform during this interview, it caught us off guard when he first showed up. He was he's downstairs in the police station in their like jujitsu area. I was like, "Are you on duty right now?" And, and it was a little weird. I recognized him as soon as yeah, he started yeah, talking. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, I was like, "Hold on." I, How'd you recognize him from the uh, seminar that, uh, a couple years ago at yeah. the Des Moines Justice Center? Yeah, it's cr- it's crazy how once again we talk about in the episode how things come full circle and because of jujitsu, man. Like, who who would have thought? You know, and he has some great stories from skateboarding and jujitsu and experiences because of it so hopefully you guys enjoy this especially if you're a skateboarder that does jujitsu this is going to be the episode for you mike mike uh keegan i think keegan you know no one name drop but it's it's fun guys hopefully you guys enjoy it thank you so much remember some housekeeping things make sure that you follow us on instagram uh leave us a five-star review on itunes and then leave a comments down below in your in your review it helps us greatly to get discovered more and ranks us up in the itunes and then also like our Facebook page, go to elbowstight.com to join the uh, email list. And then, you know, just we're Elbows Tight Podcast everywhere, Elbows Tight Pod. So make sure you guys follow us and hit us up and let us know how we're doing. It's greatly appreciated. So, but John, you got anything else? Nope. Listen and uh, give us a review. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know what you guys think. So thank you guys so much for watching and uh, listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace.
Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good today, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing a whole lot better because my portfolio looks great with cryptocurrency. <laughs> we were just talking about it beforehand. Yeah, right was, when you got all, we yeah. were like, how's that, how's that uh, doge doing? <laughs> it's like the simple things in life now. <laughs> so, you guys got to educate me on that one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the the thing right now especially because elon musk is about to be on snl tonight tomorrow tomorrow night yeah. tomorrow night and, he, and everyone's expecting like some cryptocurrency to blow up because of it so Got it. but without further ado we have a very special guest today we have uh our friend craig hanamuni right did i say it right hanaumi Hanaumi. How do you get that wrong? <laughs> Hanaumi. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. People, my my last name is four letters, and people butcher it all the time. Like I'm like it's. I don't even know how you mixed up some letters. You added some in there. I don't even understand how that happens. He's my best friend, and he still messes it up daily. <laughs> I do it on purpose, though. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a like I said, we have Craig today. Craig, how you doing, man? I'm good. You guys, thank you for having me. No, thanks, man. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come to come in and talk to us about some jujitsu, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, so uh, if you could just give a little bit of background of who you are, how you started jiu-jitsu and whatnot. Yeah, um, Craig Hanaumi, uh, born and raised on Oahu, and I'm in law enforcement with the Bellevue Police Department right now for 15 years, and three years before that, I worked for the Honolulu PD on Oahu, and um, been doing jiu-jitsu on and off for about 12 years now. And I'm a purple belt under uh, Hannah and Hedon Gracie. Oh, nice. You know, you look familiar. Were you at uh, a seminar they had at the Des Moines Training Center for, um, what is the, you got, you do it all the time. The Dars. The Dars. The Dars seminar they had there? Uh, do you know? We're talking about in there, Durian or? In, uh, man, I don't, I always think of it just as the Des Moines Training Center. The big police one they have there. It's like a I would go to those. Yeah, we've had training sessions over there before, but yeah. uh, I know when the I've, it's been a while since I've been down there. Uh, I think it was two years ago when I went to one, but I wasn't. Well, what sure. was what was it? It was the Dar seminar that the, the brothers did. And, uh, oh no, yeah, we helped set that up. I helped set that up. Um, yeah, I, that's why I'm. I think I saw you there. Yeah, no, that, that was cool. Positive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, that was the cool part about that seminar was that seminar with the brothers. First of all, they hardly ever do seminars together. Yeah, they're all so busy. They have different schedules, but. Not only did they do a seminar together for that one, but that was, I thought that was a Saturday. That was 10 years to the day when I uh, attended the first uh, didn't training. They, that they didn't they mention that? I, I could have yeah. sworn they mentioned it when I was there. That's why I'm like, hold yeah. on. I'm starting to put it together. Now. <laughs> yeah, He's a little slow. He's got three quarters of a brain. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all the time. But I was like, hold on. I, yeah, you look familiar. And now I'm like, I was putting it together. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a, that was a fun, uh, fun day because of that. And, uh, and it's always it's always cool to have them up here and in our in our backyard and um yeah that was a fun one that was a good one I'm, yeah they're great they're good they're way bigger in person <laughs> yeah they're I, enormous I, I, I was like <laughs> I was like they're like if you wanted to think of like the the right body to be built for it they were like perfect I was yeah. like man monsters yeah they I I was hitting everyone with a darts before that seminar because it was about the time we all started jujitsu. And yeah. uh, I was hitting people left and right with Darson. I came back and I haven't been able to hit another one since. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they foiled my plan. They messed it up. I know. <laughs> so, so what what got you into jujitsu, Craig? We're, we're just you know like a generic jujitsu question. What got you into jujitsu? Because you've been a cop longer than you've been a practitioner. Is it was it police force that got you into it? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, growing up in Oahu, there's a lot of martial arts, right? From its proximity to Asia, 
Uh, I grew up getting, exp- I, I, my parents were really cool about letting me try stuff. So I did like Kung Fu karate and um, Kempo karate. And, and then they exposed me to a lot of sports too: basketball, soccer, uh, skateboarding, of course. Um, but the jiu-jitsu came a little, yeah, a couple of years into my, uh, my work. And it was at a, a gym that was uh, connected to Helsin, Helsin Gracie, and whose presence on the islands was what probably started jujitsu back in the 80s, I think, mid-80s. And I had, uh, I had a funny experience with this, with that as my very first one. And I've shared it before, but uh, essentially it was a training, like a typical training class. Uh, I, had, I had gone in because I was interested in the benefits and uh, they paired me up with a, one of the regular students and we did our typical uh, outline of stuff, you know, drill, um, mm-hmm. warm up drill, uh, specific positional stuff, and then sparring. And then I did the round, you know, I lasted the whole class and I was, I, I knew very minimal amounts of, of anything. Our, the academy that we go to in Honolulu does cover things like the guard and uh, some uh, simple mountain escapes, but not too much deeper than that. And uh, back then we could actually use the the neck restraint so we could, mm. could put people to sleep, which is, I mean, big neutralizer, right? When you have that on your, on your toolbox. But um, yeah, we finished the class. I, I didn't get submitted during my first round with that, my training partner who was super nice and helpful. So I was feeling very proud of myself. And then <laughs> I, I reflected and I was like, well, I was basically in his closed guard the whole round, five minutes. And I didn't do anything to him, of course. He didn't do anything to me. And then I, I reflected on that afterwards, kind of initially happy that I didn't get submitted, but kind of disappointed because I, I was stuck, right? I was stuck yeah. technically in a position where I was on top of him. And even though we couldn't punch, it was just kind of like, man, I, was, I couldn't really do anything either. And then that's when I asked him, how long he's trained. And he told me a couple of years and I was like, very good. That's awesome. How old are you? And he goes 13. Oh. And um, oh. that was a, that was a big, uh, a blow. Cause I, at that age, I was about late twenties and I could probably, I was, I was the strongest I ever was as far as like lifting weights and stuff. And I felt like as fit as I was ever was in aerobic, uh, endurance. And you know, this 13 year old kid was holding me down in his <laughs> close guard. So that was my first. And then I didn't really do any follow-up after that um, until uh, the brother's course in 2008 when I uh, was working for Bellevue PD already. I got approval for a training request I did just off of Googling jujitsu and police because I still wanted to train. Uh, I just needed the right um, course and the right, I guess, starting point, introduction. And that course was it for me. And ever since then, it, it has been... Uh, a very cool hobby that is work applicable for us, you know? So I'm super lucky about that. Really, really fortunate to have that. Yeah. I, it, what's funny is we joke about the first time that we ever do did jujitsu too. And, uh, I come, I always say, I come from like a CrossFit fitness background. And the first time I ever did a five minute roll, I was like, I would literally die on the street, bro. Like if, <laughs> if anyone even had like remote amount of training, I'd be dead. Like there was, I couldn't, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like pressuring, you know, the, the white belt mentality, just trying to pressure and like crush people. But I, w- I was so dead by the end of that first five minutes. I was like, well, this time to go I mean, back to the drawing boards. <laughs> I think it's a surprise for most people, even super fit people, right? Because five minutes is not a long time, but if you go five minutes at 100%, that's extremely long and it's not even sustainable. Right. And, uh, for a brand new person, 
whatever their background is, if they don't have any grapple experience, they will expend every ounce of energy during that time frame, and then they'll be like, like you mentioned, right, unable to to do another round after that. And <laughs> it's it's funny how that changes as we as we progress, and not necessarily because of fitness, but also just because of uh, the energy expenditure, right? Knowing how to modulate, and I think that's a huge piece of it as well. But um, yeah, it's it's funny to get a, a fit a fit person inside the gym and. I mean, you know, we have a lot of applicants too come through and uh, occasionally they have fitness um, backgrounds like CrossFit, like you said, but it's always, it's always, it's always neat to have those guys with the, uh, are paired up with our, our in-house kind of jujitsu guys. And then they have the, uh, the, the moment where they're like, wow, my bench press or my, my burpee is not saving me right now. And it's like, it's like it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I can kind of jerk three fifteen. Like how does that? I could bicep curl forty fives. Like how is this not applying right now? Yeah, I was gonna tell him. Uh, one of my good friends. I, I've just got him to start going to jujitsu with us. I think he's been to three classes now, and he's a uh, one of the base police officers on our base. And yeah. I've talked to him before. They do. You know, he was telling me about like uh, their fight to survive drill they do, and a little bit of the hands tactics they do. And I was like, all right, well, let's let's see how we go in the class. And I've, I haven't got him to do the rolls yet, but just doing the hour and a half or two hours of the class, he's exhausted. Yeah. And, you know, we were just talking about it yesterday. He's like, you're not even breathing hard. And I was like, man, we're three years in. This yeah. is nothing. I'm like, <laughs> like, I was like, just stick around for open bat after. He's like, oh, not yet. <laughs> no, <laughs> I like, no but I, I watched him with the, what was it, like 10 minute rolls we had to yeah, do in yeah. class the other day. And, man, he was locked up as tight as he could be holding the guy. And I was like, oh, you just got to loosen up. <laughs> yeah. It's so hard, right? That's, I think one of the hardest pieces of, of the art is because it's not a technique. It's, it's just knowing when to go and when to not go. Yeah. And you can't really teach somebody that they have to know themselves through experience. Right. And, and it takes time to understand the, that, that piece of it, which is not, like I said, a visible actual technique. It's a, the pace is just something you get from just consistent training eventually, hopefully. Yeah, it's definitely, I think jujitsu, a lot of people see, uh, I talked about this on uh, w- with a friend, but I think jujitsu, a lot of people see jujitsu as a lot of hard techniques, right? When they don't, they don't understand the soft techniques that come with it. And a lot of it is, is mentality, uh, energy expenditure, right? Like knowing when to move, when to not to move, right? And there's like applicable technique, like physical technique, like an Americana or whatnot. But there's right. a there's a lot of mental side of it that I don't think, especially when you first start, you have no idea. Is there. No idea. No yeah. idea, right? You They're trying I mean? to kill me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, everything everything is life or death, right? And I'm sure you can attest to this being, uh, being a police officer, but having that capability of knowing when to turn it on and turn it off is a huge advantage to to anyone you know what i mean and especially when you're on the mat or in a situation where you're just like you're like look I, i'm not worried about this i'm not worried about you breaking through my guard because i know what i can do to to get back to where i want to be like it, it's, right. it's 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 a it's like roy dean talks about he's like it feels like a superpower to someone that doesn't understand they're like how did you know i was gonna yeah. do that it's like, <laughs> well it's like, you just do it more enough and then there it goes you know yeah it's like the cheat code yeah <laughs> down down <laughs> right sure. <laughs> so, so do you feel like you're you, you you mentioned that you have like a very athletic background i skateboarded growing up also and i feel like skateboarding has helped out quite a bit to tell you the truth like my balance and my base in jiu-jitsu do you feel like your skateboarding background kind of helped you out a little bit well first of all i do not have an athletic background oh i, got, I got exposed <laughs> to a lot of sports that's oh, what okay. i said so don't get it twisted uh, that, that's me too that's me that <laughs> 
I said I got exposed to a lot of sports. My parents let me try a lot of stuff. That in no way means that I have any athleticism in anything. Uh, and and, and to, to prove that, I think it, it, I just go back to my high school. I mean, I didn't, I didn't do any. I wasn't on any varsity team. I was in the varsity cross country, but cross country didn't have cuts. So yeah. that doesn't, to me, that didn't, like, well, I would have been on it no matter what. And um, yeah, now I was in the band room the whole time in high school. So I wasn't even a sports person until after I graduated and went to college. But uh, yeah, skateboarding helps. It's uh, the kinesthetic awareness of, or the proprioception, right? Balance. I'm a huge component of jujitsu. And I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to compare it to me not having skateboarding because I started right, when right. I was 10, 11, 12, 13. But um, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a, a balance component for sure, right? As, as we all know for the art. And I, I don't know, it's kind of neat to see people who do, because how many people? There's, a, I know, Crone, Crone Gracie Skates um, mm-hmm. and Brian, Brian Ortega, you know, at least casually, right? Like cruising, carving. Um, there was somebody else who was, I, say, I seen somebody do like kickflips. Anyway, there's people who skate, like there's a bunch of other people who are not as, I guess, high profile people that, that integrate. I think surfing a little bit more, right? Because of um, Brazil and uh, connection to the ocean and just the climates that jujitsu is typically practiced in kind of a natural uh, connection to that. But um, there's definitely parallels to knowing how to move your body and keep your body balanced in both. Yeah, absolutely agree. So when when you got bit by the bug of jujitsu, did you try to like pull as many of your friends? In I was as just possible? thinking about that, like because we do the same. We're like we're like we try yeah. to get everyone to come and do it. We're like just try it, just try it. Or did you kind of get bit with the same bug and wanted more people to get exposed with you? Yeah, and it, I mean especially in the beginning because the initial my initial beginning of my journey was without a uh, regularly seen in person black belt. Like I didn't have that, so I would have to rely on. I mean, I, I just brought people in here and coworkers and uh, it's easier when there were uh, new hires because they're recruits in the academy and they enjoyed that kind of training because they were part of their testing was pieces of mock scenes and scenarios where they might have to arrest somebody who's fighting them. And um, so, yeah, I just, and, and we have, luckily we have a few coworkers here who train too. And um, other people, I mean, it's, it's, I think I didn't have the right, lens to because you have to be very careful about introducing people to the art if you want it to be um long term you know because you can just tell somebody hey lie down and i'm gonna smash you but they're not gonna come back after that <laughs> no so, they will not i think i think the, the approach is real important if you want somebody to experience it and return i mean it cannot just be all 100 percent getting you know destroyed by somebody <laughs> and uh you know I, I think that's um that's a hard balance because you can you get the most appreciation for the art by feeling it, but if it's too much to one side, uh, then I, no no person no typical person is going to just be like yeah I want to feel that again you know multiple times which is kind of why there's just less people who do what we do I mean training wise is I think if every person's introduction especially back in the eighty uh, early eighties nineties. Obviously, some schools right now, it's it's not like a, there's no beginner class. There's just a one class and you might get paired up with somebody who's been training for like six, seven years. And, you know, you don't know what you're doing. And, and the, the first experience is, is, I think, of what makes a lot of people not want to do it, unfortunately. And um, so I don't know. 
I mean, if you want more training partners, I think it's in that person's best interest to get as much people liking it as possible. And sometimes that means not just, you know, crushing them yeah. with a bunch of techniques and having Absolutely. them feel overwhelmed. So it's, it's not easy, though. It's, it's very hard to do that. I think that's why I like the intro seminars, like how we started with a seminar, you know. Yeah. It was very, like, basic. You know, there was no, like, real rolling. You know, I, I, that was a good way to go. Yeah, yeah. I, our school is uh, kind of unique because we we started the school maybe three coming up on three years ago, and everyone in the school besides the guy that's the owner was a white belt, and he oh, wow. was a four stripe blue belt, and now he's a brown belt. But so we all started the same exact level, which was a crazy experience. You know yeah. what I mean? Now that we look back on it, because nowhere like very rarely do you get that experience of everyone starting on the same field, and then sure. Um, and it's the biggest thing that I tell people is like, like if when they show up, I'm like, you don't know what you're doing now, but I promise you, if you even show up two times a week for four or five months, you are going to see the biggest difference in yourself. It's, it's not rapid, but five months is not a long time. If you, if you just take it, just come twice a week and be consistent, I promise you, you'll, you'll catch on super quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a cool uh, introduction that you guys had. Not, not a typical, um, you know, typical format of learning from some black belt and and that was mine too i, I didn't have that so i think I, we had one guy that uh you could tell he used to have a stripe on his white belt and to us he was league <laughs> he was leagues ahead of us like, see what he just did <laughs> he, he yeah he was he would come in and uh cody was it was like one of the first classes cody's the gym owner the brown belt now and uh he's like so does anyone have any grappling experience and uh he looked at the kid he's like you have one stripe so obviously you have a little bit and in my head i was like <laughs> How do I get a stripe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how is how has your mentality changed in your jujitsu game with uh, the longer you've been in it? Because twelve years is a, is a good amount of time. Yeah, I think um, pacing myself is a, that's the biggest easiest way to summarize it. Pacing myself to extend my ability to keep doing this, <laughs> and that was I, I, luckily I. I think I had the luxury I had was I started a little later, right? I started when I was in my, already in my thirties. So early thirties, which is, like I said, a little bit past where I felt like I was my strongest and fittest, but um, definitely not the same as if I was like 17, 18. And I think that's a blessing to me because I felt like if I started at that point in my life, knowing my mentality and all that, I think my body would be broken already if I had started when I was 17, 18, 19, because I wouldn't know how to modulate and take the, the gas pedal, uh, take, the, take my foot off the gas. I would just be, well, I'm injured. I'll keep going and yeah. say, oh, I'm hurt today. That's all right. I'll just do train through it. And that's because that's how it was for other stuff like skateboarding uh, when I did basketball for fun. I mean, yeah, it, it, I could easily see that translating to this. And I just I don't think I would have been able to sustain that. My body just would tell me like, yeah, you need to stop. And who knows how much more broken I would have been. So I. I look at it as, as a good thing that I didn't start when I was um, late teens or 20s or, or another age besides when I started because I already had a perspective of, well, I'm at my physical peak right now or I just am going like, you know, plateauing right now. So I won't get any stronger. I won't get any fitter as far as like conditioning wise. You know, my mile, my mile time is never going to get faster than what it is. <laughs> I'm going to go down. So I better not. And plus, I'm, you know, I'm not a big person anyway, so I can't. I never go out muscle anybody. So I, I think those, those things combined 
made me uh, have the perspective. Okay, I have to think in if I want to keep doing this for the next whatever many years, I can't. I can't do like how the the twenty one year old uh, college student is doing. I can't. I just. I can't do that. So. Yeah, that's probably that's yeah, super I, relatable for you. Yeah, right? I, t- I I I started when I was thirty nine, so nice. it was already like uh, past the plateau, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, uh, which it's, you know, it's tough to, to even think because I'm still competitive, you know, sure. sometimes I got to realize like I can be as competitive as I want, but that 20 year old stud over there is just <laughs> as competitive. And, uh, if he knows just as much as me, like it's a rough one, yeah. but yeah, I, I've actually toned it down a bit. I only go, um, two, three times a week tops. Um, and now I started, I'm limiting my roles where I used to do five or six after class. Now I'm like two or three and, uh, I call it good. Yeah, yeah. You posted that that video of uh, Henner talking about uh, Helio and how his his victory was, you know, just rolling right. And that yeah. that watching that video, I was like, man, that's a that's a great mindset to have is not not holding yourself to the same standard throughout your entire life because after a while, like you said, you're just not going to meet it. You're not going to be the fittest you ever were. You're not going to be the fastest you ever were. You know, sometimes you gotta you gotta accept the small victories in your rolling. But you yeah, can get smarter. Yeah. Sure. Get, get more energy efficient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that's a cool. I mean, I rec- the, I I got uh, permission from Henry to record that because usually he gives these um, in between the lessons or at the end of the seminar. Like a lot of people, right? They they start speaking on something and and that topic. I didn't know he was going to talk about that, but I was like, wow, this is so good. I need to you know, make sure it's cool with him, and then I'll I'll try to edit it down to like a minute long thing and. Yeah, I mean, I, just the idea that your definition of victory is allowed to change as time goes on. That's just such a profound way of, of, of looking at a lot of stuff, right? Not just jujitsu, but uh, having a perspective of a different uh, mindset as you age for whatever. I mean, that's, that's just a, it's just a, such a healthier way to, to look, to look at, at it. Yeah. 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 Everything I, evolves. That's just a good thing to do. Yeah. So have you ever have you ever competed in jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I competed at uh, Blue Belt, um, different rule sets. Like the, they have huge tournaments up here, right? Uh, the Revolution was uh, one, um, and they have a lot of other smaller tournaments. They have one called Proving Grounds here. My friend Lamont runs that one. It's a submission only. Uh, that's that's more my I guess su- suitable to my I guess style if you want to call it that because I didn't I don't really have good takedowns or anything like that, but. Um, you know, and some of only doesn't matter, right? So like, yes, <laughs> and I'll do like I'll, I'll connect to the person and just start and and pull guard and just start working stuff. But uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, I think that's a good barometer, right? To to uh, measure what you're what you're doing. And I know Nate Nate Orchard talks about a lot. Of, uh, that's you know, if you're going if you're going to do something and you can pull it off in competition, that's basically the highest level of um, a verification that you can have that this thing works because I did it against a guy that is not wanting me to do what I did uh, to them. So um, there's definitely value in that. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that you have to do it or, I mean, shouldn't have to do anything if you don't want to do anything. It's right. because of uh, internal motivation. And I don't know, maybe when I'm 50, I'll do the 50 year old, whatever they call it, a master's purple belt, it's whatever. Executive, and, executive, executive, super executive. <laughs> <laughs> master executive whatever uh but yeah I, I don't know i think it's it's just i i'm i'm happy that i can still hang with people that's half my age and and that's my victory now you know 
And so once in a while I might catch them. Once in a while I might get caught, but I mean, at the end, like who cares? <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So what was your, what was that first competition? Like, were you like super nervous before you went out on the mat? Like, Cause I'm, I haven't competed yet. He has. So I'm always like intrigued on, uh, I've competed in like other things, just not jujitsu and having like that mindset before you go out there. It's like, it's so intriguing to me because some people see it as, ah, that's not that big of a deal. And some people are like sweating bullets. What, yeah. what was it like for you? Uh, for me, it was, it was all right. I, I mean, there's lots of people there, the, especially like white blue, white belt, blue belt. I mean, I don't even know how much people was in each bracket, uh, each division, each weight class. It was probably like two dozen. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like, wait, I was trying to think in my head, like, okay, how many matches would I have to do if I was going to keep winning? Like, that's too much. Already. <laughs> I have my cap at like three, four matches. That's it. Already. I'm good. Uh, but uh, it was, it was okay. And I, I it was kind of funny because I remember one of them, um, because I was not used to the points. I mean, I honestly didn't know what the points for positions were. Like I didn't, I, I went into it going in without like knowing the, the back is four and mount is four and guard pass. Like I didn't even, I think there was one point in one of my matches where there was a, some kind of reversal, which like I said, I didn't even know why if it was points or not, but I, I ended up on top in a uh, guard. And then I think one of my friends who was on the sideline was telling me like, Hey, you're whatever the time was. And that I'm up, I'm up ahead or something. I don't know how I got ahead. Cause I'm not even keeping track of that, <laughs> but then I was like, okay. And then from the open guard, I went for a footlock. And then it was like almost like the opposite advice of, you know, what somebody would typically do. Right. When you're like, Oh, you're ahead in points right now. I was like, well, let me potentially lose my top position. <laughs> give this person the sweep and go for a submission. So I like I mean, it. I think that's the, to me, that's the better way to do it. Just, I mean, yeah. But the result is, is not really the, 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 the end game of it. It's, it's the experience. And, you know, I mean, as long as, as long as, to me, as, as long as you have fun, don't get hurt and learn something, that's, that's the victory. Uh, Cause yeah, I don't, I mean, getting injured doing a thing that you're not getting paid for and uh, you might have to potentially lose money for if you can't go to work the next day or whatever it is. That's, as an older person now, I recognize like, man, that's, that's a lot of risk, you know? And <laughs> if you have a family, everything, right. He's like, Oh, we're going to go, we're going to go to the park, ride bicycles. Like, no, I have to stay <laughs> home. Cause I sprained my ankle from a, a competition, you know? And, and it's, uh, I think people who don't have any families, it's a little bit easier. Right. And if there's no other responsibilities, like if somebody's going to school full time, right. Especially now, cause you can just remote learn everything. It's like, ah, whatever, sprain ankle, sprain, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But if you have to go to work and, you know, you can't have a black eye or something, then. Yeah, we went to work with those. Yeah. <laughs> one, one of our buddies, he's a, a purple belt, and he's in his uh, probably mid-50s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he is uh, one of the owners of iFly, or he works with iFly. Yeah. And one day... Uh, I don't know what, ha- I don't remember. I blacked out, but I-, I caught him with like a knee or something like that. And I felt yeah. really bad afterwards. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, I'm so sorry. I did that. He's like, it's fine. I have a board meeting tomorrow. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm so sorry. And to to your point too, because our professor actually the other night just talked about this and he started off, he ended the, he, he, you know, we got done with all our technique and he ended the, the, the class with, you know, do you have any questions? And he's like, Let, let's be honest here, guys. He's like, None of you are ever going to be a world champ. He's like, and that's okay. He's like, I'm never going to be a world champ. He's like, I enjoy my 401k. 
He's like, you don't have to train like a world champ. Like you can be happy with coming to class, learning technique, getting a little bit of rolling in. He's like, not everything has to be a hundred percent, and you're you're trying to go for the best ever. He's like, that's not who we are here, and that's not my mindset anymore. That shouldn't be yours if you if you don't plan on you know kind of competing, uh, competitive or like as a thing. And I was like. Man, yeah, I'm so great. happy you said that. I'm so happy yeah. you said that. Like so much weight off my shoulder. <laughs> now I don't have to be a champion. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a that's a great you know because I mean from any school right the the vibe and the I guess the feel of the school it comes from the top down right and I mean if it was the opposite of that without even explicitly saying it it, it can you can feel it right you can tell if everybody in the room is I mean I, there's value in that when everybody's going uh, going for the kill all the time. I just, I'm just not seeing that as a way to have a, a larger student body because you're going to have a, a small group of people who are of the same mindset, but it will, it will kind of inadvertently exclude everybody else. And I don't know. I just, I, I like that the, uh, if a school has a wide variety of people who are not just trying to win stuff, you know, I mean, that's just, I think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a more reflect, it's re- more reflective of, just society in general, right? Not everybody is wanting to do that, and that's fine. So, yeah, absolutely. I think I think when I first started jujitsu, uh, everyone always told us like you got to compete, you got to compete, you got to compete, and it's not necessarily to compete to win, but just to experience it. And I know I see the value in competing too. I still want to do compete. I'm just nervous to do it. To tell you the truth, kind of like what you said is like I don't yeah. want to get injured in the middle of it and then have to take off work or break something because i'm going against uh, a 21 year old kid that's like so amped up that he's finally getting to compete and like you know those things make me really nervous to tell you the truth um but it's it's nice when like you said when your your upper your black belt or higher you know are saying like you don't don't worry about it man like if you want to just come do it just come do it it kind of it does relieve a lot of pressure and you could easily just feel the room even more like relaxed in classes and whatnot so I can't wait for you to try it because I'm gonna be there so I can watch. <laughs> he's just yeah. gonna want to. He's gonna no. Be- I was nervous, but that was part of the reason why I did it. Is I don't like, uh, you know, if, if something's gonna be a challenge, like if it's gonna make me nervous, then I'm gonna do it just so I get over it. Yeah. But uh, and I think something else that helps with the pressure, like like you, like you didn't know about the points. I knew about them, but I didn't care about them. So when I went into yeah. it, the whole focus was just submissions. I didn't care about points. I didn't want to know about the points. So, like, I think that's a good way to do it because then you're not even worried about the right. points. Yeah. 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 That's no, good. So, when you were growing up and skateboarding, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I love skateboarding. I was a huge skateboarder. What was the first trick that you learned that you're like, you, that was that was so legit? Like, you were so pumped when you learned the trick. Well, I mean, got to be the ollie. I mean. Ollie? The ollie is like the, what did you even compare that to? That's, I don't even Shrimping? know. <laughs> like yeah like it's, a, it's I mean, a very it's, basic thing but it, everything kind of like builds from it <laughs> yeah no it's, it's, it's definitely yeah i i, I guess that's kind of comparable I, I don't think shrimping is that because it doesn't take you several months to learn how to shrimp to that's me true. True. i would do it in a couple 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 days couple classes but uh yeah the ollie was just a uh, if people right who don't know uh, ollie is the trick where you're bored you push the tail down the front goes up and then you adjust your front foot to make the board uh, go from diagonal to parallel to the ground or off the ground. And uh, from that, knowing that a whole, I mean, unlimited amount of other variant uh, tricks come out when you can do that one comfortably. And then it just, because then it's on. It's like, okay, now what can I ollie onto? What can I ollie over? What can I do uh, in, in like start to do kickflips, start to do uh, pop shoves. And 
it just never ends. I mean, that's the, that's the beginning foundation for, that's like jumping. I think Ali is like, if a person can jump off the ground, say, oh, I can leave the earth and I can come back. Oh. <laughs> now, how high can I do it? And how far can I do it? And it's, it's the same. It's the same thing. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, that was like the, the landmark of uh, status. I think that's everybody who does, even people who don't skateboard, right? They, they, they understand terminology of stuff like, oh, can you kickflip? Or, right, that's, that's one of the most common um, kind of questions from non-skateboarding people. And um, Tony Hawk did a funny uh, thing about that where he was driving around and filming himself stopping at parks or watching people skate and yelling at them to uh, request a kickflip. Kick yeah. They're like, they don't even know who he is, right? Like, is this guy asking me to kickflip? And then when they do it and, and they get it, then he gives them like a board or something like that. It's super cool. But uh, yeah, I grew up, I grew up with that generation of um, skateboarders mm-hmm. watching those guys, the Bones Brigade. Yeah. Mid eighties, uh, Back to the Future one and Search for Animal Chin, Paul Peralta, um, Future Primitive, that whole, the the bones Brigade, uh, mike valley they man man i remember when, even when i was a kid mike valley was like uh, he was obviously towards the end of his his uh career as a skateboarder but he still was making videos of, like element and stuff like that and i remember watching the video of him taking on the like three four guys in the parking <laughs> lot and i remember that was like my first exposure to mike valley i was like this dude is a savage man like he's just beating people he, up in the streets yeah there's a there's a video of him beating up four people at one time uh one after, like knocking out one in each one individually after the other. And you know what the coolest thing about that is I have a Mike Valley story because I grew up watching him and there's a, a video he made in like 89 called Public Domain where he basically starts in his house like, hey, you guys want to go skate? And he like gets his board. He jumps uh, onto a rail uh, from like running start, uh, does a board slide down the rail. And then just they're just following him around New, New Jersey. I think it was New Jersey, just skating uh, on the boardwalk and just one of the coolest uh, shot scenes I've ever seen as a, as a kid. And so then now, uh, like about five years ago, maybe, no, not five years, three, three four years ago, a person on uh, social media, when I shared a skateboarding outreach video, tagged him in and said, hey, you should collaborate with Mike Valley. And I'm looking at that just like uh, if somebody said, like, oh, you should be on Joe Rogan or something. Like, well, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, so he actually replied to that thread on that comment and said, hey, shoot me an email. And no so way. I did. I said, hey, man, uh, you know, I'm a, one of your many, many uh, fans. And I don't know what you had in mind, but let me know because I'm down to do it. And then he eventually replied and he said, hey, I'm going to I want to send you some boards to give away to people in the community if you want. And I was like, sure, so send it to the station. And, and right up until then, too, I was like, it's not going to when he sends the boards, then I'll be like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> but then he made a video the next week of, of his story about. I seen uh, Officer Craig's uh, videos and I'm going to send him 10 boards to give to people in Bellevue. I'm like, uh-oh, so he's actually going to do it now. <laughs> now I got to give them away, right? <laughs> Since then, uh, that was 2018, he sent me almost like 10 boards per year to give out to kids in the community. So I've given away probably like 20 boards altogether uh, from him, from his company, Street Plant, right? He has his own company. And that guy, man, his story is, is like a, at one point, what he was, uh, he has his own skateboard company, pro skateboarder. He was the lead singer for a punk rock group called Black Flag, right? Where Henry Rollins started, but he, t- he took over that. Mm-hmm. He's going on tour, singing for Black Flag, a pro skateboarder running his own skateboard shop. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're, you're doing every <laughs> single thing that, uh, you know, any kid would like be like, this is the, I'm living the dream right now. But um, yeah, so he, he's, I, I got to meet him when they came up to uh, Seattle uh, a couple years ago on tour with Black Flag. 
I get to meet him in person and it's just super nice. Uh, no, no, no interest, no benefit to him at all to collaborate with me. I mean, it's almost like, that's why I didn't believe that he was going to do it. I was like, well, who am I? You know, I, it's like some <laughs> random person in, in Bellevue and he's like this world famous, uh, iconic street skateboarder. And, uh, but yeah, just one of the nicest people. And I was trying to get him linked up with, cause he moved from Sandy. Uh, no, he was Long Beach, moved from Long Beach to Des Moines, Idaho, uh, Iowa. And wow. he, uh, before he moved, I was like, Hey man, I, I know you had a reputation before of kind of like, uh, a short temper kind of, you know, aggro. I said, you should do some jujitsu, man. And, and I actually on my, on a phone text ended up, um, making a group text with him and Henner and introducing them that way. And I was like, it's all set up, but then the pandemic happened and then uh, he ended uh. up moving. But yeah, that, that guy is, uh, he's good people, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm lucky to be in a position where I get to do a little uh, collaborations like that with people like that. And it's all, it's just so awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Somebody you looked up to and then it comes full circle. Yeah. And it's like, if you told, talk to him, told my 10 year old self, like, Hey, you're going, you're going to do a, you can give away Mike Valerie's uh, pro skateboards. Okay. It's like, I would not believe that. Like, <laughs> it's crazy how things like about? that happen, and you don't even expect it sometimes, right? It's just like you, like you literally were just on Instagram, and like someone was like, yeah. "Hey," and then boom, things happen like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like how we feel with like our podcast, like talking the, to Roy Dean. Yeah, like, like we talked like, to Roy <laughs> Dean. We talked <laughs> yeah. to like some people that I followed in the fitness industry that are yeah. now in the jujitsu industry, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" I've followed you since like 2014, and I'm <laughs> literally having a conversation with you. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Super it's cool. just crazy how the things in your life that you don't expect to connect to other people you're like oh this is amazing you know oh, yeah. what i mean yeah so. never know you never know i mean the last thing i would expect to be doing as a uh officer is using skateboarding to connect with the community i mean i i tell my parents all the time like lucky thing you guys kept encouraging me and they didn't really encourage me they just kept they they were supportive uh of me doing it as an activity and I mean, I never would envision that I would be able to use that as a way to connect, you know, with the community, just like jujitsu, same thing. I mean, besides the art itself, I get to use it as a method to connect with the community. We do self-defense classes. I got to teach at a domestic violence shelter and uh, boys and girls club, Salvation Army, YMCA. So besides the technique and the physical applicability, I get to use the art as a, as a vehicle to connect, which is a good, br- good bridge. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's you know, it's it's just so cool when you can fully act. Uh, I guess use the art like that in that way. And to me, anyway. Yep. So how did how did the whole? Because obviously you want community outreach, but you. I feel like you have like a a better grasp of of it from like your social media presence and just hearing you talk about it. I feel like like you do like a lot of good stuff. Like, was that your mindset starting off as a police officer, or did it kind of like develop over time? I'll give my parents credit for that one. Um, from as long as I can remember, they were always, if you ever go to Oahu or talk to people who are born and raised in Hawaii, they have this phrase called the Aloha spirit, which is basically like a phrase that means uh, exhibiting goodwill to people who are not your family and not even your friends necessarily. Just the idea that, you know, to have an open, open heart, open mind. And they, they, every single, not, Almost every single day, I would I would have an example from watching my parents do that, and all the way up until now, um, there's a there's a guy who a former coworker of mine who died a few years ago from brain cancer, and his uh, family's his wish his family's wish was to do a, a go to Hawaii on a vacation, go to Oahu, uh, 
set up in a resort. So they've some some fr- family friends set up a GoFundMe. They easily attained the uh, dollar amount that uh, the family member or the friend was trying to have for them to fund that. And then I, I, I was like, where are you guys going? And he goes, Oahu. I was like, oh. So I called my mom. I was like, hey, I have a friend of mine. Um, he's coming to the islands to visit. And before I even said what the circumstance was, you know, this is going to be probably his last trip with his family ever because of uh, cancer. She was like, oh, do you want, does he need a ride from the airport? Like, without even thinking <laughs> that, you know. And, and, and they actually ended up giving him a ride to the airport, him and his family with my dad to their uh, hotel. And then they took him back to the airport at the end of the trip. And I mean, I can say story after story about them. And uh, so that was always kind of ingrained in me. And the, the standard they set is so high that there's no way I'm going to get to it. But um, another, there's a family friend, um, not a family friend, I'm sorry. There's a, a huge family in our community that reminds me of my dad's family because they have a, a large number of brothers and sisters, the Hermosillo family. And one of the sisters, was I, I knew their brothers from when they were middle school. They're about early 20s right now. And they the sister ended up going to Oahu about three years ago with a, a girlfriend of hers to vacation and they're staying at a p- place in the island that is not like the best you know has a might have a little reputation I won't say what place that is but uh the car ended up getting stolen the rental car and was in it stolen so they called the brother who's still here right and the brother texted me he's like hey my sister's car uh the rental car got stolen what you know what should they do and I was like well obviously you know report it and what does the rental company say? And they say, well, the rental company said they can get them another car tomorrow. And it was like in the afternoon, right? Like they had no other access or to anything. I guess technically they could have probably tried to catch the bus, but um, anyway, so I was like, well, let me call my parents. And I called my mom and she goes, I was like, Hey, there's a, there's a friend, a sister's um, friend of mine's sister is in Oahu with their friends and their car got stolen and before I could even finish, like the whole other cer- cer- set of circumstances, she's like, well, "Where are they? I, we can go pick them up." <laughs> That's and, amazing, uh, man. They ended up staying uh, a night with my parents, uh, her, uh, the sister, and her friend. And then my dad ended up taking them hiking somewhere the next morning. I'm like, before they got their car back, they the car. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do. Every single you know person and interaction that they have, uh, they try to make it you know a positive one. And I think that's where I get it from. And I didn't overtly try to share stuff that was. Uh, I mean, I wasn't trying to do positive things to showcase it. Like, I think I was trying to do it because that's what, that's how I learned how, what to do. And then this, yeah. the sharing of it on a platform was just because uh, I think at that time there was probably was 2015 was when I started. And then in the national media, there's, there's a, a lot of very negative uh, stories about law enforcement and police interactions. And at that time, I mean, I was doing a lot of the same things I was doing now. We're, we're serving dinner at the Salvation Army uh, pizza at the Boys and Girls Club, skateboard camps, and all these positive things, which were in contrast to the narrative. And I was like, man, it just, and I was trying to look like, where are the positive stories out there? I was like, there wasn't really any. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start posting stuff so my friends can, and my good friends back home or wherever can see that, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's not just all bad stuff happening. And that's how I started doing it. I was like, well, at least some small group of people, whoever is interested can see like, okay, there's an officer in this city that's doing stuff that's positive and it's not a negative interaction all the time. And um, so that's, that's how that started. And then the, the novelty of the skateboarding and uniform and uh, uh, that kind of stuff kind of got connected to some local, I guess, news media and then eventually some national news media and, I mean, I don't know. I was just doing it just to make my friends know, like, 
they had a it's not all bad. It's, it's not, not all bad. bad. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, unfortunately nowadays it's, it's, if it's not seen, it didn't, it didn't happen. That's what I feel yeah. like, it's, you know, it's like, well, clearly we don't see any good stuff. So there must be no good stuff happening. And I just, that used to bother me. Like personally, they used to bother me and that's why I started it. But uh, at this point, you know, that there's, I can't do anything about that myself personally. I can't, I'm not, I don't work at a, uh, I don't work in the news media uh, network and I don't have access to anything else besides my own platform. So all I can do is make a difference in my own community and I guess share that, uh, stuff and that's it. You know, I, well, it works. I mean, people see it, right? Yeah. yeah I, I think it's a, it's been positive and I would share all the stuff we do at community meetings before I started doing that. And every new community meeting, I'd have to repeat the same thing. They go, what you guys doing in the community? I would say, well, these are the things we know we can have a, we're using our property event to deliver furniture to uh, families in transitional housing, serving dinner at the Salvation Army once a, once a month, um, the teen center once a month, um, shop with a cop, you know, taking uh, kids that families that are in need and um, giving them gift cards to buy stuff during Christmas. And there's like thing after thing and everybody's response as well. That's really good. And that's really good. We didn't know about that. And then the next meeting I'll go to and same thing. It's like, oh, that's really good. Like, we didn't know about that. And it's like, there has to be another way to <laughs> showcase this somewhere on some platform so that I don't have to keep on saying all the list of stuff we're doing and somebody can just go to it. And um, I mean, that's why I started sharing stuff. I just, I was kind of like, well, I'll, I'll use this. I'll use the Instagram as a portfolio, a visual portfolio to, to share some of the good stuff that we do. And that's it. That's how it started. I'll tell you, what, it does feel very genuine. You know what I mean? Like, look at from the outside in, because I didn't know you guys did all that stuff either. And just from um, seeing your Instagram, man, it feel it look it feels very genuine, and it's it's super cool to see, especially like you said, because there's so much negativity in I, in the the news with the police force. You know, I feel like if it wasn't genuine, you can tell. I yeah, feel exactly. Like people are not stupid. Yeah, you know, if I if I was if I was just doing it to to look good for a camera or something, I think. I think people will be able to tell. And I Absolutely. I think that's even worse, right? It's even worse when it's uh, disingenuous and it's like, oh, this person just doing something just because it, they think it will make them look better. I, I, I mean, yeah, I, I would say that if that's the case, then don't do it at all. Just don't even do it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I just come at it. I try to come at it from the right place. And I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, I can't, I'm not going to change anybody's mind, but um, that's not even to me, what the purpose is. The purpose is just to share a piece of what we do. And that might be contrary to what other people see, but you know, I can't affect the other stuff. I can't directly do anything about anything else except for what's happening over here. So that's all I can do. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what was the, what was the first time that you used skateboarding as an average? Did you play skate against a kid or something like that? And then are you talking about on duty? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like what was well, the first time you used skateboarding? Uh, in the work clothes and everything. Um, it's so weird because I, I was with Honolulu PD, right, for three years before I left there and I moved up here. And I, for, for for whatever reason, it never even entered my mind to do that. I don't know why. I I just maybe I just never saw that it was a I could use it as a way to connect with people. I just never thought of it as a thing. Um, but when I moved up here, our city, if you didn't know, Bellevue has some world-class uh, skate parks. There's oh, a guy really? in the parks department here named Joe that, he used to skate when he was a uh, uh, teen, uh, late teen, early twenties, and because of his influence, we have a we have a probably a five thousand square foot uh, street park, five six thousand square foot street park, probably more than that, right next to a four thousand square foot indoor skate park. 
Wow. Uh, which has been constantly renovated. Probably one of the oldest skate parks in the country. I think it was built in 94. Wow. So way, way, way back in the day. It was renovated many times. And then we have this other one, three miles east, uh, a huge bowl, huge, huge, uh, nine foot deep, seven to nine foot deep uh, bowl in the crossroads area. And I was like, what the heck is the first time I seen it? I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, how come <laughs> what, some person, well, the first thing I thought is somebody in the city has some kind of skateboarding connection. Like, this is not a typical. I need to be that guy's stuff. friend. Yeah. And then whoever that is, I got to know that person and uh, figure out what, what's, what's going on. But uh, yeah, so I, I figured it was, it was in the bowl and um, you know, we didn't have like back in Oahu in the eighties, there were only ditches. There's ditches and this place called Aala Park, which was a roller skate rink that was kind of unofficially adopted by a skateboard community. And um, the only problem with that, it was cool, is, is they had like a, a transition to a, a, a little oververt. But um, it, was in, it was in this area of, of Honolulu called Hotel Street. And Hotel Street is kind of, I would say it's comparable to, if you guys ever been to Seattle, it's comparable to Pioneer Square. Now, not, nothing wrong with Pioneer Square, but um, it's, it's not a place that I would send a 10-year-old kid with a bunch of 10-year-old kids to be like, hey, why don't you guys go hang on over there for uh, the afternoon? And, you know, hopefully nothing happens to you guys, but uh, good luck with that. But um, we don't have any skate parks. So coming here, there's this huge bowl, um, world-class Grindline skate. Got a shout-out to Grindline, the Seattle-based skate park company that makes these unbelievable uh, skate parks, all different around the world. And um, I just... There's a kid skating in it one day and I was by myself and didn't have anybody else there. And he was, he was by himself. And I think, uh, yeah, I just asked him like, Hey, can I, can I skate? Can I try your board? And he looked at me like, okay. And then uh, he wasn't super good either. So it was, I was kind of like, okay, if I look stupid, <laughs> he's not going to have a, Oh my gosh, you're terrible. Cause he was just starting and, uh, I rolled <laughs> a little bit. Um, I didn't drop in at that point yet to that bowl, but, um, yeah, and I I was still not even thinking. I was I was just well, it's been about about twenty something years since I skated. At that point, it was two thousand fifteen. Last time I was on a board was probably I don't know, it was like nineteen ninety or something like that. And um, so all that time passed, and I was just curious, and that was the right moment in time. And then they have this there's a indoor skate park that has city staff, uh, city employed staff that are probably all skaters that supervise the indoor park. And I went there. I think a few months after that, and it was almost closing half an hour before it closes, closed. And the guy there, his name is Akash, who I still keep in contact with. Uh, he doesn't work there anymore, but um, he's like, Hey man, super, super, super positive. Just ask me how, how's doing. He's like, Hey, you want to skate? Like right off the bat, like you want to skate? Cause nobody else is there. There's like one or two other kids there. And I was like, nah, nah, that's all right. And he goes, you sure? I said, like, yeah, yeah. And then, um, I finally was like, all right, you know, you got, let me, they have a, they have a whole set of the boards, they have the helmets, knee pads, elbow pads, everything. So he always jokes that I hustled him because I said, yeah, I'll skate. So he got me a board and uh, the, the mandatory, you know, helmet for the indoor park. And then he started giving me the tutorial. Like, okay. So these bolts right here, stand on your, stand on one foot here, one foot here, bend your knees, you know, and just uh, stay low and, you know, fall on your knee pads. If, if you fall down, and I was like, okay, okay. And then uh, there's this about four foot transition, four foot mini ramp transition that I went, uh, walked up to. And then I dropped in and he looks at me like, like oh, okay. <laughs> you skated before. I was like, yeah, I skated before. He goes, how come you didn't tell me? I said, like, you didn't ask me. You just assumed that I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to listen to your advice. We got to have like good tips and everything. And 
And so that was kind of like the funny uh, inside joke that I, I tricked him into uh, him teaching me a lesson or something, a pre-lesson. But, uh, and then after that, I mean, he made a post on his Instagram and tagged me in it. That was right when I first started sharing stuff. And it was such a positive post. I was like, man, this is, this is, I can use the, the uh, I can use skating as a way to connect with people. Cause I wouldn't have met him if it wasn't for it. And then he wouldn't have said that nice positive comment if it wasn't for that. And it's like, that's, that's another way to, to, to humanize us, to bridge the gap, you know? And there's people who have had videos of uh, officers uniform playing football, baseball, basketball, right? Nothing wrong with those sports, but I mean, I don't know, that wasn't my thing. So I was like, oh, skating, you know, skating is, skating is my, my vehicle, my literal vehicle and figurative vehicle to connect. And that's how that started. And then uh, luckily we have the skate camps, year-round skate camps, summertime, pre-pandemic, there were about five to six camps a summer, week-long camps with about two dozen kids from all over the place. And um, it's a blast. Like I show up with my, I show up in my patrol car, block the crosswalk, and then we uh, bomb the hill that is right uh, between the indoor park and the outdoor park. And people are walking past like, what the heck is going on over here? You know, like uh, the, some of the, initially some of the parents were very, um, they were concerned. Well, is everything okay? You know, why, why, why are you over here? And um, even the kids too, they're like, what's going on? The, the <laughs> it's eight to 12, I think, or whatever the age range is, is basically elementary to about middle school, some high school once in a while, but mostly that age. And then it was not negative, right? Uh, it, was, it was still, it was more like inquisitive. Like, how come, why are you here? It's like, oh, I'm here to just, I'm here to skate. It's like you guys. And then the funniest part was I told people the transition from that initial inquiry and vibe uh, in the beginning to uh, three, four camps in, it went from that to if I missed a day, they were like, hey, what happened? Like, we didn't see what, like, what, 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 did, what were you doing? Did you have another call that, that you know? And it was, it was so cool. I mean, it was, and I think about it in hindsight, because I was a skater too, right? And we would, would typically equate police to, oh, it's time to run away now. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or wherever we would skate is a trespass location. And it the those kids' first interaction with officer is, uh, bombing the hill with one. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I always, I will never forget the, the, how I felt growing up. And as I never had any necessarily hate for police, but I just never had any way to connect. Like there was no, what thing am I going to have in common with, with a, a officer? Like nothing, you know? So when I started skating, I'm like, man, that didn't even, wasn't even a, a possibility before because skateboarding wasn't that old. I mean, the, maybe in the seventies, they had the one with the, the converted roller skate wheels, right? They, they stay, yeah. they drill it onto the plywood two by four thing, but not how we uh, have it as, as it is now. And there's like a whole generation of people who are now old, 30, 40 plus, all these different working professionals who skated when they were uh, elementary and middle school. And once in a while, some of them are cops too. So it's, it's just, it's super cool. I just, I don't know. When I, re- <laughs> when I reflect when I'm an old person retired, I'll be like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was a neat thing I did right there. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I think it's a great connection. That's why I was, like, so intrigued by it. Like, when, <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, he skateboards. I freaking love skateboarding, man. And like, I feel like, uh, like especially with the pandemic, I don't see it as much as I wish I did anymore. It's like, ah, and skateboarding is great. I, I, I think it's a fantastic sport to do, yeah. too. So. After this, you should look at the video, if you guys didn't see it, of me trying to drop in on the vert ramp for the first time. There's a video of me. There's a nine. It's not there now because they renovated it. But before they renovated the indoor park, there was a nine foot quarter pipe. Ooh. Nine foot quarter pipe. It had about a foot of vert. So the vert meaning is like from the coping corner is straight down, right? Vert and then it transitions. And I never dropped in on a vert before. I, the, the crossroads bow has about a seven foot transition. And I could do that one. And then they had a, 
the indoor park has a six foot one, a four foot one, or like three, four foot one. So all real mellow. I was like, man, I got to do it. I want to drop in on vert, you know? And <laughs> if you watch that video, it looks like it's looped because I slammed the same way twice in a row. It's like, it's two different slams. It's not the same one. I, 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 it looks like, it looks like if you could envision a, the edge or ledge of a roof and like, or just, just walking off the plank, basically. Like I step off of it and then I go straight wow. down. I miss all the whole transition and just slam almost straight into the, the bottom of the, the plywood wood composite. And then I get up and like, man, you know, what Joel, he's, he'll, he'll never live this down, but he's, he's on the video recording me. Like, you'll be fine. I'm like, all right, I'll do it again. And then I slammed the exact same way again. And, uh, my whole left side of my body was all bruised. My, my hip had like a baseball, a softball size welt on it. And, um, I almost, I mean, I got a lot of uh, flexibility and a lot of discretion, right. To do my position and do the outreach. So the last thing I ever wanted to do was call in sick for work because of a thing connected to skateboarding. It's like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, I don't care. I don't care if I have to just like hobble around on one leg. I'm going to still, I'm not going to call in sick because of this. And, and then the, the unfortunate part for me was the next day, there was a boys and girls club thing in the summertime called badges for baseball, which is a, a outreach that the Cal Ripken senior organization uh, funds. And you basically play uh, softball or baseball with the students so I had to do, and the data, the next day it was like, you know, we have a good idea. Let's do uh, relay races around the bases. And I'm like, no, <laughs> but I did it. You know, I just sucked it up and um, uh, I, I actually had to go back. So I, I successfully, almost a year after that slam, I successfully got to drop in after some remedial coaching from the skate park uh, guys, Josh, Joe, and Nate over there. I mean, they're, they're so positive about it. And I may... I wouldn't be able to live it down if I didn't uh, try again. You know, I just, my body had to heal first and my mind had to be in the, in the right space to attempt that again. But uh, that got, I think the initial slam that got reposted on like Thrasher magazines, oh. Instagram, Thrasher magazine. If you don't know, Thrasher magazine is like the equivalent of skateboarding to what people magazine is to the normal general population. And yeah, that I, I forget how many hundreds of thousands <laughs> of views that got, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I, they, they, they told me right after I did, like, bro, if we post this, this is going to go more viral than if you had successfully did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure it will. And sure enough, you know, it did. But uh, yeah, that's that's my one kind of neat little, not directly work-related, but still work-related story that I can tell people. Like, I, I dropped in on the vert in uniform for the first time. That's I never right. seen anybody else do it. So uh, if anybody else does it after me, they'll be the second. <laughs> <laughs> So what's your what's your jujitsu game? Because you mentioned earlier yeah. like you're a little bit of a smaller sure. guy. What do you feel like your jujitsu game is? Uh, well, I'm a geek person. I mean, like I said, luckily, like it's such a blessing to be able to train with Nathan now uh, whenever I can. You know, Nathan Orchard's in our city, Tampa and Seattle, and I mean, you know, hot world class competitor, right, 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 almost not walking distance, but a mile and a half from the station, and uh, we've had him by our station. Uh, you know, to, to help uh, teach our, our, my coworkers. And it's just amazing that we have him uh, now as a resource, but um, he was why I started doing Nogi. Cause before I'll do, I mean, I'll do Nogi open mat with my Gi. Like I'll just show up with my Gi and then people will be like, I'll try not to grab. I was like, no, grab whatever. Just, just I'm wearing it. So use it, you know, choke me with my collar, whatever. Um, but I just was so used to Gi stuff that, I, I didn't have any push to to do nogi until he he showed up. I was like, all right, now I gotta 
if I don't learn from him, then there's no, there's no other person I'm going to uh, learn from because nobody else is probably going to show up in our, in our backyard and, and be that kind of caliber. Right. Uh, but still, I mean, I'm still a gi person. Um, I like chokes, like collar chokes, uh, baseball, ba- the baseball, <laughs> baseball choke is kind of what I had uh, developed on my own from watching YouTube videos. Um, and then kind of developed into my, my go-to, my go-to move due to my, my crappy open guard. And, <laughs> and it works out great, right? Because that's the whole debate of it is I'll pass the guard that way and then turn the other way to do the, uh, gotcha. Triangle. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's my, I kind of over way, way too much, uh, reliance on it though, right? Cause you, you take off the, the gi, then you can't do any of that. Uh, I try to develop like the no gi baseball choke too, right? Cause like, I have to, like, there has to be an equivalent of this in no gi. <laughs> Cause that's, that's my only hope, you know? So I, I watched some of the guys do the no gi stuff and it's, it's a little bit hard on the, the, uh, you have to have your wrist in a certain angle and your fingers configured in a certain way to get the, the same compression. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of like my, my thing. Um, so cross chokes, collar chokes, no gi baseball chokes, baseball chokes. Um, yeah, not too much. I'm not super flexible. I don't have like, me neither. That's that's my, my own choice, right? Like I could be flexible if I invested time in it, but I just choose to. I just I just don't. And so that's my result. But um, yeah, I just I like I like I like making people make the mistake of doing something and then trying to catch them in the transition, which so is not really. Like, sorry, go ahead. Finish. Sorry. No, it's not. It's not really a point friendly approach, right? When you do that, like counter attacking is. I mean, you're gonna lose most of the point matches if you if you think like that because. <laughs> Or many of them because you, you're reacting to the other person, right? They're initiating something and trying to catch them. Um, so if they did a takedown and it, I don't get the submission off of their takedown attempt, I just, I'm down, right? It's down points now. And um, so I don't know. I, I just, I think that suited my age. It suited my size. If I was doing like open mat with other people who were way bigger and it just, I just really connected with this, the idea of counterattacking. And um, I think that fit in well with the, the brother's philosophy uh, Pedro Sar, if you've never been to Pedro Sar seminar, he he'll constantly talk about jujitsu. He'll say even like jujitsu is only counterattacks, like that's it, like there's nothing else. And I was trying to think like, how is that even possible if they only have counterattacks? But <laughs> I mean, his, the mindset is like, well, the other person moves first, that's better because then you get to see what they have. Like you, you, show, uh, you know, they're showing you their cards already. You you know you know what what's going to happen, and and uh, it's completely opposite of like some other people's mindset, right? But that's why I like jujitsu is because you don't have to have it just one way, right? You can have the attack, attack, attack way. And then you go, no, counterattack, counterattack. And they're both, they're both right. Yeah. So do you feel like gi or no gi translates more into your, your occupation? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I think it just depends. It depends on the situation. Um, there's funny stories that we have that I can share, you know, not every story is going to be like PG or po- podcast friendly, but um Sometimes we have to control people that don't have clothes on. Yeah. That's uh, the first thing that popped up. My, I wasn't going to say anything. I was like, a butt naked guy running down the street. Sometimes <laughs> that's going to be considered no-gi. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's pretty much no-gi right there. Uh, <laughs> or is it, though? Because I have clothing. Ah, I know I like have, and that's, and that's kind of like the way I approach it. Like, I'm never going <laughs> to I'm never going to be nude trying to control somebody, <laughs> hopefully. And if that <laughs> happens, it's probably not going to be on duty. But... Uh, <laughs> If I am controlling somebody, I'm going to have clothes. And if I have clothes, it's going to be grabbable, right? So I, I should know what that is, what's possible. I should know, right? And I'm never going to be able to 
to uh to doff my my gear. You're like, hang on, you guys. I'm gonna. Then, I'm out, I'm gonna Let me get this, off get this vest off. Yeah. I go, I go, you're naked. I go, I'm naked. We're doing this. <laughs> I got my rash guard underneath, but hold on, so I can take all this stuff off. But I can do that, right? But um, so that's. I mean, clearly, when you have a, a the inability to control somebody with clothing, I mean, you have to have nogi uh, principles and um, concepts and grips, right? And um, However, if there was going to be a climate that is favorable to gi, it would be up here. I mean, that's why I tell people is like in Hawaii, gi is, I don't want to say it's, it's not applicable, but you fight somebody in Hawaii. First of all, they don't even have a long sleeve anything. It's a t-shirt and they have board shorts on and slippers. And when they fight you, they're going to take off their shirt. Like I guarantee you, it, it's like, it's like if the shirt's coming off, it's like, well, I have a friend who, uh, a retired former coworker who a retired, uh, named Yong Lee, who's a, He's a Korean-American, but he grew up in Texas. He goes, well, if the, if the cowboy hat comes off, it's going down. It's the same thing, right? If the t-shirt <laughs> comes off, there's going to be some violence happening right here. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's before moving up here, I was like, well, how can gi translate to, you know, a street application? Because nobody has long sleeve anything. Like maybe in December when it's like 60-something degrees on Oahu. But, I mean, besides that, it's, you, you don't have the even capability to grab a thing that's thick enough to replicate a color. But up here is, I mean, that's, that's like nine months out of the year. Right. So I don't know. I think, I think it's good to feel from nobody's going to put you in a spider guard, lasso guard. I don't think in a fight, but I feel like from a defensive standpoint, it's good to know how clothing can control you, how clothing, how manipulating clothing and grips can be used to control you. So from a defensive standpoint, it's not going to be a surprise if somebody grabs onto your jacket or collar or whatever, and pulls you, and you'd be like, wait a minute, like, you're not supposed to be able to control me from this far away. You know, it's, it's not, it's not, I think that piece is a, uh, from the self, from the defensive aspect, it's a good thing to, to experience, at least a little bit. So I don't know. I, I can't, I, that was a political politician answer for that question. <laughs> I, I can see, I can see, you know, there's both examples. I had to control people that had clothes on. <laughs> Control people that didn't have any clothes. So I think, uh, but I always have. So at the end, I feel like, you know, I, I have to have a little bit of exposure to to both of those. No, yeah, I think it's a great answer, right? And that's that's kind of where I was going in my head. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to say it depends on the situation. And like we all instantly thought of like a naked dude. Like this. <laughs> I didn't think about it that you you brought up a great point. I didn't think about you're wearing, you'll always be wearing clothes in most situations, right? So the defense of that, like that's that's, that's a good point. Like I didn't even think about that. That's that's a so the kind of like showing up at tenth planet in a gi is actually pretty smart. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, well, it's smart. Yeah, it's it's smart and also probably the worst case scenario because if you have a gi person that does no gi at tenth planet, then they're gonna know how to strangle you and uh, with and without the collar, with and without yeah, the right. gi, like, then you're yeah. you're screwed over uh, twice as much. But uh, yeah, no, I I didn't ask Nate about that yet. But uh, there's an inside joke where we did a like a little skit with a a, a student here. Who, uh, who graduated from high school uh, in our city, who, who did like, he did jujitsu when he was in middle school, just, just for a couple years, but that's still better than most of the population, right? And I took him to Nate's gym one time. Uh, and as a joke, I was like, hey, you know what be funny is if uh, I, I gave him this gi that we had from our school and I, I told him um, from a different jujitsu school and I told him, you should, you should show up wearing that as a skit and, and at, the, at the school and everybody like look at you like you're out of your mind or you know, point to the logo and up the gym and be like, Hey, this is not the right place for that. And anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a funny idea. And 
there's there's one you'll see some of the other ones too where uh i i do a skit i shouldn't say this right now because i didn't share it yet but uh i have my i have a black gi or a dark colored gi dark dark blue black gi that i i put underneath this and start talking about hey you know we're gonna a lot of common questions that have been asked of me connected to my uniform and my equipment so i'm going to talk about it and we'll start off with my belt and i go through my belt take off my belt so underneath my belt i unzip it and I take off my top. It's a jumpsuit, right? And then I have my gi underneath. I take off my, <laughs> I take my vest off. There's a gi. And I'm like, not everybody has a gi under their uniform, you guys. Uh, but I do. I have my belt already tied, you know, underneath. And then I take off my pants and I have my gi pants underneath that. And oh, that's I, great. I don't know. I just think it probably other people are like, oh, this is so stupid, you know, but I think it's funny. I just, yeah, I don't know. I just think the, the jujitsu people will get the inside joke and everybody mm-hmm. else. Some people were like, hey, uh, isn't that hot during the summertime when you wear your gi under your uniform? And oh my god, I just I can't I can't I don't know how to answer. Like, it's like oh, they thought it was for real. It's like oh, <laughs> no. That's but, uh, so what what would your what would your one piece of advice be for a brand new white belt coming coming to start jujitsu? Um, just manage the expectation. You know, the expectation of the reality that you're not going to be good right away. Uh, I think that's a that's a very realistic. Not to expect too much, and yeah, you know, presuming the vibe of the gym is good and positive, everything. I mean, just especially in this day and age where we have everything uh, immediately, right? It's like, oh, if I want this, I get if I want this product on Amazon. I can have it delivered to me today. Right? Uh, if I want, uh, if I click this button, it can, I can instantly download something right now, and. Especially, I think younger kids, right? If that's what they grew up on, it's kind of like, well, when am I going to get good at jujitsu? It's like, well, check back in in two or three months, like two or three months, or you know, yeah. whatever it is, longer than that, right? Uh, when am I going to start tapping people? It's like, might be a couple years. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, true. You know, I think that's a big, uh, big surprise to some people. They go, like, oh, I can't get my because uh, partly due to the other martial arts, right? To be honest, the ones that uh, don't really have any kind of um, checks and balances with the validity of the the whatever they have the belt system or whatever right when they have kids that's black belts it's, it gives an impression like well this person has a black belt and clearly even though i don't have training i feel like i could kick their butt but you know and then you go to jiu-jitsu it's like that's not like that and um so yeah as, as long as they have the expectation that the process to get good takes super long like you guys know and i think if you start off with that in mind and I guess depending on what the person's goal is too, because they might want to be good as soon as they could because uh, they want to compete or something. And that's fine. But if I guess it depends on before I, I give the advice, I would say, what is that person's goal? I think that's a good uh, counter question or to, to before I answer, oh, this is what my advice would be. Because if their goal is I want to compete at the highest level as soon as I can, then I was like, well, you got to suck it up and just you know, train all the time then. And if the goal is, well, I want to do this until this is my going to be my tennis. This is going to be my golf. So I want to be able to do this into my 50s, 60s. And they, well, then the approach would be different. I don't think it would be, you can't, uh, you would have to, have to have to be customized to each individual person's reason for why they are training in the first place. Right. I feel like. Well, that's a great answer. Thank you so much for uh, spending, spending the time with us today, Craig. I know you're a busy man. John, you got anything else? No, nah, man, those are some good stories. Yeah. I like the skateboard stories. Uh, me and my daughter got back into it while we were in San Diego because everybody's still skateboarding there, so it was just fun to talk about it. 
Yeah, yeah it's definitely a different, a different uh, a vibe of a podcast for this one. It's a whole lot, <laughs> whole lot of fun. I, I appreciate it, man. This is, this is a good one to come back to. We haven't interviewed one, anyone in a while, so it's a great one to oh, come sick. back and interview, man. So greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much for, ha- for coming on. Yeah. No, thank you, guys. Anytime you guys come up through, come through here, let me know in advance that we can do an open mat in our, in our station here. Um, I think people like just for the novelty of it. Say, like, oh, where did you train today? Oh, the police station. Like what? Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, just, I, 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 I take full advantage of that one. Like, hey, you guys want to come roll at the station? And uh, it's a neat. It's, I, I, like I said, it's an outreach. You know, it's it's a way to connect with the community, um, build relationships, and you know, there is not a higher level of trust that you can have than basically putting your the safety of your limbs in another person's hands, literally, right? And it's just there's something about that aspect of, of the art that makes it extremely, it, it kind of compresses the amount of time before you become uh, tight with another person, right? It's like, oh, we're, yeah. we're like brothers now. <laughs> you could have literally yeah. killed me or broke my arm, but you didn't. It's like, oh, good, good, good. It's yeah, amazing. for sure. It's yeah, cool. absolutely. Well, thank you again, Craig. Appreciate it so much. Thank you guys for watching at home and listening if you're driving wherever you're at. So uh, remember, guys, have a good day and uh, no oil checks here. None. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>